It's a new day. Yes, it is. Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Up and at them. Fresh and shine. This is your wake-up call, people. Come on, the coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerds. Welcome to episode 396 of the Back Row Morning Show, inching closer to that 400. A part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network and the official exclusive morning show for LT and radio. I'm Radio Matt, the station manager and chief radio nerd. I'm a husband, the father of three a Green Lantern fan, and a Funko Pop collector. Hey, very good. And I'm Mo, shorter, louder, smarter, and all around better than absolutely no one. I'm a wife, mom, elementary librarian, and seeker of truth, except when it comes to reality TV. I almost said super fan of all things friends. <laughs> That's your old intro. Uh-huh. Today on the show, robots, artificial intelligence, and what they mean to believers. Also on the show today... Joey Chestnut might be dead by morning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But first, today is Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. It's already September of 2021. My gosh. It's your birthday month, Matt. And we've got some holidays to celebrate. I don't celebrate a birthday month, okay? I'm 35. I didn't say celebrate (laughs) it. I just simply stated a fact. But you know that you celebrate your whole month. Not anymore. I didn't this past year. You didn't? Why not? I barely even celebrated my birthday this past year. I don't know. Why for? Not That makes me sad, actually. That's kind of of part of your personality. Not purposely. (laughs) I don't know if it's just because, like... Working full time and parenting two teenagers. I don't coming off of COVID, you know, 2020. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Just depressed. But it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's my birthday. Celebrate. Cool. Birthday. I would be I would be just fine. Never bringing up my birthday ever again. Like, that's how little I care about my birthday. I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> uh, hey, it's National No Rhyme Nor Reason Day. Mm-hmm. Did you look up what that meant? Nope. Well, I didn't care. I thought you were going to. I didn't feel like there was a, a rhyme thing. or a reason to anything. It's, 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 it's a day. It's pretty self-explanatory. It's day, no, it's actually a day specifically to celebrate words that do not have rhymes. Like purple and orange. Nurple. Orange. <laughs> Glurple, slurple. Slurple. That is a word. That is a word. Nothing rhymes Seven with orange. Glorange. Yeah. Morange. <laughs> Just saying. Morange. That's the morning of <laughs> your parents' funeral. Because you're mourning. That. Matt. <laughs> Mean. You gotta get creative with these definitions. If you're gonna create words, you gotta come out with definitions for Yeah, them. but why you gotta be so offensive all the time? Okay, I guess it doesn't have to be your in, parents. I guess insensitive. It could be anybody. Not offensive. Insensitive. <laughs> Thank you. Why you gotta be always Get the word right. <laughs> I offensive. got there. Sometimes you are offensive. In this case, not so much. But anyway, uh, it's also American Chess Day. 
feel like I've already told my chest. Yeah, I've already told. Sorry I've already told you. my chest story this this year. I've I feel already, like. I've already told my chest. I've already story. told my chest story. Sorry for you. Uh, and it's World Letter Writing Day. Yeah, it's a lost art. It really is. Okay, here's the thing. I read these and thought, okay, we're going to write our ABCs. <laughs> that is the society we're living in. That it took me reading it twice to go, oh. A letter, letter. Dear and sincerely, <laughs> I got it. Okay, that, that kind of letter, not our alphabet. You will use your alphabet. Most of it, yeah. But you will You might not. not get a Z or an X in there, but sometimes you will. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a story. Uh, and yeah, Mo, Mo was uh, confused as to what that, that <laughs> tease was. Joey Chestnut might be dead by morning. So let me just make it clear. Joey Chestnut is uh, the, the current Nathan's hot dog eating championship holder for like several years in a row record holder of how many hot dogs you can eat in 12 minutes or however long it's like 76 he's a lot and a new study suggests that eating a hot dog can take 36 minutes off of your life okay so i just really didn't feel comfortable saying that someone might be dead <laughs> by the morning oh he won't because he's listen fine. if if he does happens, i know i'm gonna fault. be like first <laughs> you knew something Is okay that, well like, if it now, helps <laughs> if it helps. I'm going to jail. If it helps. Ever since the study came out, every article has been mentioning Joey Chestnut having eaten uh, 100,000 hot dogs in his life. So, like, everybody's making this <laughs> observation. Yeah, but has anybody been recorded actually saying it? <laughs> He writes the script. <laughs> uh, Joey also ate the world's largest slice of pizza. Yeah, I saw that. Didn't he go against, um, I think it was the Beast, Mr. Beast team to try and eat it? He went against somebody. Uh, just He took it down. Took it down real quick, real easy. So uh, life tastes pretty good anytime a hot dog is involved, but could those hot dogs actually be shortening your life? A new study suggests that it's possible. New research from the University of Michigan suggests that eating one hot dog takes 36 minutes off of your life. Uh, just one. Just one hot dog, and you're down... Uh, one and a half episodes of Frasier, guys. Uh, the study evaluated more than 5,800 foods, ranking them by uh, uh, what? Thank you for that host and raid, Chill Canada. Uh, we're on Twitch, and uh, we just had some people jump in. Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. The study evaluated more than 5,800 foods, ranking them by their nutritional disease burden to humans. A beef hot dog on a bun resulted in 36 minutes lost, largely due to the detrimental effect of processed meat, the study found. Uh, if that headline stresses you out, imagine what competitive eating legend Joey Chestnut thinks. Uh, they asked him, uh, or they asked, does he need to be worried that all of these hot dogs are just taking years and years off of his life? Uh, the registered dietitian Christy Brissett said, I think if you're eating hot dogs in a Joey type of way, this could be a turning point in your life to maybe cut back a bit. If you enjoy a hot dog once in a while, that's completely fine. Everybody wants to have fun foods in their life, and that's part of enjoying eating. 
in competition alone, Joey has eaten at least 1,094 hot dogs, adding up to 39,384 minutes off of his life, which is more than 27 days he has lost to hot dogs just in competition. But he's he trains all year long eating hot dogs. Okay, but listen, it's less than a month. And so... <laughs> Like two sentences before it says, should he be concerned that he's shaving years and years off of his life? No, it's probably months off of his life, possibly a year or a year and a half, but not years and years. Come on, guys. You don't know how much Come he's on. eaten in real life. That's Listen, only one day. They're only accounting lives, for one day of a year for each of his competitions. If he lives to be 90 something <laughs> at that point, he's going to be like, thank God I ate so many hot dogs. I don't want to live anymore. Y'all <laughs> Joey poked fun at the study tweeting. Interesting. I might need to eat more nuts to get my time back. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, the study also found that a peanut butter and jelly sandwich adds 33 minutes to your life. Okay, also. That's all also, I ate also, 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 They They were very specific to say that a beef hot dog. Beef hot dogs. On a bun. On a bun. Okay, so I typically like. No, not queso. Hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I um, really prefer turkey dogs, and I don't like the bun. So, am I good? I'm okay, right? You I like can eat turkey as... dogs. Yeah. You don't just have like the pork dogs, like the Oscar Myers. No, they also have turkey. Okay, I but I mean, they're, the but they're mostly ones. pork. And that's I like turkey. Okay. No, why you got to hate weird. on the kind of hot dog that it's I like? It's just weird. It's weird. When it's burnt to a crisp, Who they all taste it? the same. Why are you burning your hot dogs? Because I like my hot dogs <laughs> like I like my marshmallows. Good grief. <laughs> how you like your witches. Oh, man. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think it's probably better, yes. Turkey's a healthy meat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? Uh. See? KY agrees with me. <laughs> Burn the hot dogs. Burn the hot dogs. Well, okay. I'm I I get down with that if it's on a grill, like in a like a fire. If you're burning it with actual fire. If you're just burning it in a skillet, then no, that's not the same thing. Oh, it is the same thing. No. Absolutely. Also, yeah. Grayson, your mom just texted and said that you can't have hot dogs ever again. Just <laughs> FYI. Um, I enjoy I enjoy hot dogs a lot, actually. A whole heck of a lot. I love my I love myself some hot dogs. I love hot dogs. I do not like beef hot dogs. All beef hot dogs. I do not like them, Sam. I, I am. do not like them, Sam. I am. I will not eat them. Uh, they're too greasy for me for some reason. Just like it's gross. I can't get past them. And they're always also huge. That was like twice the size of a normal hot dog, and that's too much meat to bun ratio for me. Like nah, nah. Okay. Nah. Burnt meat can increase cancer risk, is what KY says. That is true. Yeah. Hmm. But I don't care, she also said. <laughs> undercooked meat can also increase. There's no such thing as an death. undercooked hot dog because hot dogs come pre cooked. You could eat it right out of the package. If that was the case, then pregnant women wouldn't have to deal with reheating no, their. They have to do it because it because when it's cold. There can be like bacteria listeria. or whatever. Yeah. It's listeria. Yeah. It's still cooked, just like your 
your uh, if it's shaved not turkey good and for stuff a is pregnant cooked. woman to eat it, then it's not good for anyone to eat it. I'm just saying. Well, a human can survive listeria, an adult human. <laughs> a baby can't. A baby can't. That's you're why not, you're not listening to no, me. No, you're anymore. you're just you're just you're just you're just over exaggerating. After 396 episodes, you just stopped <laughs> listening to me. All right, let's take a break right here. <laughs> when we come back, Mo and I go head to head in the game. That'll be fun. Stick around. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Mark Davis, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. My City might be the most innocuous-looking great game of the last couple of years. Browsing your local game store, you might not notice it among splashier titles on the shelves. Look closely, however, and you'll see the name of Reiner Knizia, our most prolific and perhaps greatest board game designer. Knizia is a master of iteration, known to tinker with a single concept over multiple games. 1999's Lost Cities led to Schottentotten, Battleline, and Celtus. Explore Knizia's oeuvre and you'll find a man obsessed with exploring game mechanisms like a composer might write variations on a theme. My City exhibits this iterative drive in a single box. It's a legacy game, which means that as you play through its 24-game campaign, you'll open up envelopes to reveal brand new information permanently changing the rules of the game via new information and stickers that alter your player boards. Pandemic Legacy is probably the most famous legacy game, and it uses this feature to weave an epic film-like narrative. My City doesn't care about such excesses. It's content with giving you a fresh puzzle each play. The core rules couldn't be simpler. Each player has a stack of polyomino pieces and a player board. Each turn a card is revealed showing which piece each player must place. At first you simply get points for leaving certain spaces uncovered and lose points for other spaces not being covered. From there the game morphs. Every time you think you've got it figured out the rug is firmly but gently pulled out from underneath you. I found My City's peaceful puzzle to be a bomb for the stressful times we find ourselves in. Sometimes you don't need drama. Sometimes, like Knizia, you just want to tinker. Again, I'm Mark Davis, and if you want to find more board game reviews and discussions, you can go to thethoughtfulgamer.com. Welcome back to the Backroom Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And we've changed some things up for this new season, including what we record live on Twitch. Each week we record our shows the Friday or Saturday before with our friends on Twitch. Follow us on twitch.tv slash LTN on air to be notified when we go live and join our Discord at backroomdiscord.com after the show discussion. And even opportunities to be on the show yourself. Mo, do you have your fact ready? Uh-huh. <laughs> the word checkmate. She was scrambling and I was trying to beat her too. The w- you didn't. Ha-ha. <laughs> uh, the word checkmate in chess comes from the Persian phrase, Shah Matt, which means the king is dead. Really? Uh huh. And a bonus fact for our Trekkies Kirk and Spock have played chess three times on the show, Star Trek, and Kirk won all three times. Was it normal chess, uh, chess or was it like the 4D chess that they played? I don't know. I'm not sure if the 4D chess came in with the original series or the next generation. I'm not sure. But I need to address Grayson real quick. He asked if uh, he could be your replacement option as a 
you know. A, my a, replacement? No, like he, if he could take my place. Oh. Because be, KY is, she's taking your place for me. I see. Um, and I just need to let him know that Toffee has claimed that. <laughs> Toffee wants to be on the show pretty years bad. ago. Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> Got to get in line. Uh, all right. Well, now it's time for Mo to beat me in a game. <laughs> that was also my line. Yeah, but you weren't reading it, so nope. I jumped in. Sorry. That's right, everybody. It's time once again for me, me to challenge Mo, hopefully beating her. So next week I can try and win back the undisputed backward championship title belt. Today, we're going to be playing a game called Rapid Fire. Is this the one where we list things? This is the one where we list things, but we like are timed and we can pass. But okay. if we pass, we have to, to do the next things? one. Yeah, I think they're okay. all three. <laughs> so you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yep, you're going first. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Just hit play game. Just hit go. Uh, auto fire. Auto fire and team two will answer first. Got it. Okay, I'm team two then. All right. Name three math operations. Plus, minus, uh, divide. <laughs> Name three words that start with Z. Z zoo, uh, zap, and and zoom. Name three birds. Uh, quail, uh, uh, ostrich, uh, blue jay. Name three animals with hooves. Cows, horses, zebras. Name three colors on the flag of Italy. Red, green, white. Name three Halloween decorations. Uh, skeletons, cobwebs, fake spiders. Name three types of meat. Uh, pork, uh, beef, and chicken. Name three words that end in X. It's past. <laughs> Name three Christmas songs. Uh, uh, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bell Rock, and I Wish You a Merry Christmas. Name three of the seven wonders of the world. Uh, pass. <laughs> Dang it. Okay, so oh. you actually got eight because okay. I hit got it for the it. the X one. All right, so I got nine. And, uh, you got eight. <laughs> <laughs> it says, everyone can see it says, it says nine. Sorry. Uh, all right, I have eight, so Mo's got to beat eight. Whew. I forgot how like how intense that really is. Yeah. <sighs> also, with the the words that end with X. Rapid the fire. Only one I could come up with was the inappropriate one that I wouldn't say. I know. <laughs> I could not think of another. That's one. why I chuckled. That's why I chuckled. Crux. That's one. Facts. No. Well, yeah, facts. I thought you were facts. saying facts. <laughs> like you can't just abbreviate it. Facts. Max, lax. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. But you you chuckled when you said it, and that put the only word I can't say on there. Fox, box, ox. Yes, thank you. Yes, there are a lot of words. <laughs> All we have to do is be Dr. Seuss for a few seconds. All right, are you ready? <laughs> Here we go. Name three yearbook most likely twos. Most likely to succeed, most likely to be president, most likely to become a model. Name three Charlie Brown characters. Linus, Sally, Charlie. Name three words that start with B. Bread, bum, <coughs> babe. <laughs> Name three berries. Uh, strawberry, raspberry, blueberry. Name three chick flick movies. Uh, 13 going on 30. Um, uh, how, oh, shoot. <laughs> um, pass. <laughs> Uh, okay, name three TV moms. Roseanne, uh, 
Oh my gosh. Um, the one from Home Improvement. Nope. <laughs> um, pass. You can't pass this one. <laughs> you have to answer this one. <laughs> you can't pass two in a row. <laughs> okay, Roseanne. Uh huh. Oh no. <laughs> Happened to me that one time. Happened to you. Your brain just stopped. <laughs> you got bored. <laughs> Roseanne, come on from home improvement. <laughs> Can you think of any now? Marge Simpson was offered up by. I can't. I can't think of their names. Like step by step, mom. Suzanne Summers. Step by Step Mom sounds like a terrible show. <laughs> no, the mom I from know, Step. I oh. know. I'm making a joke. <laughs> no, because then I thought Full House, and I'm like, crap, there's not a mom on Full House. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my face hurts. Oh. Oh, Whatever. gosh. And I started out so good. Mrs. Brady. And I was I so I would have counted that. I would have counted that. I started out so good, and I was so happy. I was like, yes. I didn't, the name three math operations, that that was your very first one. And after you said addition, subtraction, division, I was like, oh, that's so easy. But I would have freaked out immediately and been like, what? What's an operation? (laughs) Water on the knee. Exponents. Algebra. There's a reason I'm a librarian. <laughs> I was so proud of myself for skipping first, thinking yes. And then the first couple questions, I'm like, double yes, I got this. <laughs> chick flicks and television moms. I'm Who really surprised known? you didn't get a chick flicks one. Now. Well, you pulled out 13 going on 30. And I'm like, okay, yeah, next up, 10 things I hate about you. That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> 27 dresses. We can just stick with numbers. <laughs> see? Poor see, showing. KY has my back. <laughs> Chick flick is subjective, so it locked my brain trying to discern endless. That's actually very true. That is what happens with these games. Uh, you, get a, you get across one that's like, well, this could be very up in the air, uh, and you think of too many things at once, and you just can't settle on one the one that happened to me was the one that i remember the most the most embarrassing was name three male vocalists oh yeah and i was like um ricky martin (laughs) like i run a radio station and i could not think or no it was enrique iglesias that's what i said enrique Enrique iglesias Iglesias. i'm like i don't know why i don't listen to enrique iglesias i haven't thought about enrique iglesias in a decade (laughs) i think that was when we first started with back row radio and i was like you run a radio show it was really early we don't even play enrique Anyway, I have the opportunity now next week to uh, 
to take you out to win this title belt back. It has been hovering in your little corner on our Twitch screen here for too dang long. Okay, so I also... Okay, you know why? You know why. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Okay, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> She's becoming... My favorite. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> but she also points out that you should forfeit the math operations one because you said plus instead of addition. And that is a fact. Okay, fine. So I got seven and you got four. But that brings, okay, do you remember this topic? We had a discussion months ago. Is it exclamation point or exclamation mark? Do you remember this? Oh, barely. It was not recorded anywhere. It was just one of those random oh discussions that we were having off that we topic. We just had a. That's point, right? I say Mark. That's right. You say Mark. Okay, uh -huh. that's that's what the discussion was. Yeah. yeah. So I am curious. It's what exclamation! Most, it's exclamation point. What most people sure. say, and so like during school when I'm talking to the students and I'll say exclamation mark, I with a lot of them I get this look like, what's a mark? <laughs> Lark says point. KY says point. Point is American, so is it Mark somewhere else? Is it Mark in Britain or something? Oh. oh but I'm see, interested. you call it a check mark. You don't call it a checkpoint. But the check mark a is a checkpoint is something totally different. But a check mark is one word. It's not check mark, it's check mark. That's what it's called. Like it's not a mark is not describing the kind of thing that you're doing. It's like that's the name of the thing it is. Like an exclamation mark or an exclamation point. Exclamation point is the name. Because <clears throat> yeah, just like Lark said in the chat here, because it has that point at the bottom, the, the dot. While a mark can be an, any kind of marking, but like a check mark is the name of itself. It's a one word thing. Say something so I can stop talking. I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't understand. My brain hurts. It's too early. Check mark is a mark shaped like a check. <laughs> what's a check? <laughs> exactly. Like, How can you be shaped like a check? What's a check? What's a check? That's what it is. A check. You can't. Check is a check mark is a check. <laughs> now I'm confused. All right, let's take another <laughs> quick break. Highly offended if anyone. <laughs> a check named Mark. <laughs> a uh, check mark looks like a B with one side. Well, no, I, under duh. I understand that. But you, you said a check mark is shaped like a check. Well, what's a check? Is it separate from a check mark? <laughs> it's like saying a horse is shaped like a horse. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> When you're trying to describe it different from something else. A horse animal is shaped like a horse. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> oh. You know, we thought this was going to be a boring show. And it's It's been pretty fun. Oh, okay, <laughs> let's take another quick break. When we come back, how should Christians respond to the rise of robots and artificial intelligence? Stick around. Hey, everyone. I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180. 
LTN Radio. So I had a pretty scary experience this week. Uh, It was about bedtime. I had sent my daughters to bed. And I was going to check on them to make sure everybody was good before it was lights out. And uh, I, I rounded the corner out of my kitchen down to the hallway where my daughter's bedrooms are. And I heard a man's voice. A deep, burly man's voice. And if you're not familiar, I'm the only dude in my household. And I freaked out. I took off running down the hallway ready to destroy or assault any would-be intruder or anything like that. And I just flung my daughter's door open. And that's when I realized she was sitting on her bed with her school laptop listening to my podcasts i'm like thanks for the heart attack why are you listening to my podcast right now she's like oh i I like learning from you and you know my kids spent six weeks of the summer on the road with me with me speaking at bible camps and stuff so i was i was pretty surprised and grateful that she would still want to hear from me but she's like i like learning from you 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 talk about the things that i enjoy stuff like that so she wanted to go back and listen to some of the audio chapters and stuff off my podcast and I was grateful that she was doing that but then the thought hit me I was like man she really shouldn't have to go to a podcast to learn from me am I taking the time to intentionally pour into my daughter yes I'm not gonna have a sermon on Uncle Iroh or you know Captain America every Sunday at church but I should really take the time to intentionally pour into my daughter that way In Isaiah 6, there's these verses, 6 through 9, where it says, These commands that I give to you are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. And when you lie down and when you get up, tie them up as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And we see these instructions from Moses that basically tell us, make sure that we are intentionally putting the things of God out in front of our families and sharing them with them as much as we can because it's important don't wait for the podcast remember to catch faith and fandom 180 every wednesday morning on the back row morning show only on ltn radio and if you'd like to learn more about faith and fandom head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our comic-con ministry podcasts memes apparel and book series you can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. When today's show is over, make sure you check out lovethynerd.com. We've got amazing articles on all things nerdy, other podcasts and videos, and a lot more. And if you would like to directly support our mission and become a financial partner with Love Thy Nerd, even specifically with LTN Radio, please visit lovethynerd.com slash partner, and you can choose LTN Radio from the drop-down menu. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax-deductible. So this week, we're talking about robots and AI. We started talking about Elon Musk's vision for humanoid robots uh, going to get our groceries, and then we showcase what kinds of robots and AI are already in the world and becoming more widely used. And today, we're going to be discussing what the rise of robots and AI mean to believers. Now, this might sound like a silly question at first, like what on earth does a Tesla robot have to do with my faith? But it is kind of a big deal. 
uh, when we think about, well, well, we'll start with what you brought up yesterday. You, you started getting into this talking about how we're made in the image of God. And now we're creating robots to basically be our surrogates in many ways. Mm-hmm. And so are we with that, with that, so let's, 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 let's let that be the first question we discuss. If we're making robots in the image of humans, are we lessening the image of humans or are we furthering the, the ability to create that, that we have inherent in ourselves because God created us that way? Like, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing spirit wise? Like, are we, are we honoring that further creation or are we dishonoring our own creation? Um, so honestly, in this capacity, I think that it would be more if we had to settle on one of two things, I truly do think it would be more honoring because it is a matter of, you know, God created us in his image and he is a create creative being and we are also creative. And so in that way, like you said, we are utilizing that creativeness within us. Okay. If we, um, oh man, like years ago when cloning was a big thing, Mm -hmm. I think that would lean more towards dishonoring. Yeah. You know, if we are creating something that is exactly, exactly like us ourselves in every way, I think that is dishonoring. Whereas if we're creating something similar to us, but different, that's just creativity. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think so. And I think I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that it's still just using our own creativity as, you know, a, a, a gift that God gave us mm-hmm. and not necessarily lessening humanity right. with its existence. <clears throat> but, uh, These kind of questions are posed a lot, and we're going to go over a few of them and tell you a couple stories here. So first off, let's go back to April of 2019. In April 2019, 60 or more than 60 evangelical leaders released a statement addressing artificial intelligence. The Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission spent nine months working on artificial intelligence and evangelical statement of principles, a document designed to equip the church with an ethical framework for thinking about this emergent technology. The president at the time said, there are many heated debates in Washington, many of them important, but no issues keep me awake at night like those surrounding technology and artificial intelligence. The implications artificial intelligence will have for our future are vast. Uh, This is Russell Moore, by the way. Moore added, it is critical that the church be proactive in understanding AI. It's also critical the church insist AI be used in ways consistent with the truth that all people possess dignity and worth created as they are in the image of God. So we've kind of talked about these broadly, but let me kind of explain what AI is. 
The term artificial intelligence was coined in 1956 by uh, the American computer scientist John McCarthy, who defines it as getting a computer to do things which, when done by people, are said to involve intelligence. There's no standard definition for what constitutes AI, though, because there's a lack of agreement on what constitutes intelligence and how it relates to machines. According to McCarthy, intelligence is the computational part of the ability to achieve goals in the world. Varying kinds and degrees of intelligence occur in people, many animals, and some machines. Human intelligence includes such capabilities as logic, reasoning, conceptualization, self-awareness, learning, emotional knowledge, planning, creativity, abstract thinking, and problem solving. A machine is generally considered to use AI if it's able to perform in a way that matches these abilities. So. When you think about those words, logic, reasoning, reasoning, that's fine. Self-awareness, okay. But conceptualization, learning, emotional knowledge, planning, creativity, abstract thinking. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things are a little scary to put in a robot. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. Like as as cool it as it would be to have a robot like create art that it created out of its own brain, the implications of that are kind of terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> to have emotional knowledge that, I mean, that kind of leads into the fact that it also would have emotions. Mm -hmm. And it's hard enough to get humans to understand and have <clears throat> self-control with their emotions, can you imagine a robot? Right. And so when thinking about this, the robot would be programmed with a set of morality, like Asimov's three rules of three laws of robotics, you know, that kind of stuff. It would be programmed with morality, but if it has a learning, emotional knowledge, planning, abstract thinking, problem solving kind of intelligence going mm -hmm. on, what's going to keep it from changing its idea of what morality is. Yeah. From staying within those guidelines. And then even then I kind of think of, okay, here's the elementary librarian in me, you know, Amelia Bedelia. Yeah. Okay. And how she is very literal. Yes. So who's to say that even if they do stay within those moral guidelines, Who's to say that those moral guidelines don't have room for error where it's taken, it's misunderstood in some way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, um, the code doesn't compute and it becomes misunderstood. Who's to say? Right. So to be considered AI, a machine needs the ability to learn. And so one of the most common types of AI involves machine learning, which is the science of getting computers to learn and act like humans do and improve their learning over time in autonomous fashion, meaning of its own accord, by feeding them data and information in the form of observations and real world interactions. So Tesla robots out in the real world that first month, if they have the ability to learn, Every interaction they have with a human, good or bad, is going to shape how they start treating other people or other right. robots. Right? Yeah. If it's how true AI. How can we AI. define who they come in contact with? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so by feeding uh, them data and information in the form of observations and real world interactions, that's like, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many crappy humans <laughs> that, that it's going to be mad. Machine learning usually involves a process of training and uh, inference. Uh, in the training phase, machines are first fed data and information in the form of observations and real world interactions. The machine looks at the data and makes generalizations from the examples provided. The machine then uses algorithms, uh, a set of guidelines that tell a computer how to perform a task to make inferences, i.e. conclusions reached on a basis of evidence and reasoning. So a prime example of machine learning is teaching computers to learn how to identify images such as recognizing human faces, which is what Facebook is doing. During the training phase, programmers have the computer process a large data set using thousands or millions of images of human faces. Machines are then taught to expect certain properties of faces, such as the average distance between the nose and the eyes or between the ears. The computer may then break down images into small sections and look for patterns based on color, shading, and so on. And through this process of training and infer inference, the AI program can become better at learning what attributes are most relevant to recognizing faces. Uh, Alexa does the same thing with voices. Right. It, it, you can determine timbre, volume, uh, you know, bass and treble levels, all this kind of stuff to determine, oh, yeah, that's most likely this person who's talking to me in the house. I've learned his voice, her mm -hmm. voice, all that. Like, Deja refuses to let <laughs> Alexa learn her voice because she does not want her to say her name. <clears throat> and I get that because it freaked me out, like I said. <laughs> it freaked me out the first time I heard it. It still freaks me out every now and then. <clears throat> so there are many positive examples of uh, the use of AI. Uh, again, Siri and Alexa are one of them. Um, the machine uses voice recognition to translate your sp spoken words into a searchable format. And for most people, this would be nothing more than a time-saving novelty, sure. But it is pretty amazing how quick you can get an answer. Now, you don't always get the right answer. But the fact that you can ask a question of Alexa and she can respond pretty much immediately is amazing. Because mm -hmm. that's... Imagine the amount of computer... Uh, actions having to occur in a split second between you asking that question to you getting your answer. Mm -hmm. You know, it would take you longer to type out your question on Google. Yeah. And it's doing all this like boom, which is pretty cool. Um, for most people, yeah, like I said, it'd be a time-saving novelty, but, but for those with disabilities, such AI-enhanced features could provide them with a greater degree of independence or autonomy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, in the near future, AI may also transform such fields as healthcare. For instance, AI may soon allow for MRI scanning that is considerably faster and yet still provides an image of uh, the required accuracy. Uh, Bob Verger of Popular Science notes patients would spend less time in machines and imaging centers and hospitals could do more tests per day. By driving down the time and cost of MRIs, doctors could order one of those scans instead of a traditional X-ray or CT exam and save the patient from further exposure to radiation. So that's all good stuff. But there are negative examples, too. In China, the government uses AI-based tools to increase the power of the authoritarian state. With millions of cameras and billions of lines of code, China is building a high-tech high -tech authoritarian future. 
Beijing is embracing technologies like facial recognition and artificial intelligence to identify and track 1.4 billion people. It wants to assemble a vast and unprecedented national surveillance system with crucial help from its thriving technology industry. And like we said, we mentioned Facebook. Uh, Facebook was sued back in 20, I think, 18 or 2019 by the Department of Housing and Urban Development for using an AI-enhanced system to allow advertisers to restrict who is able to see ads on a platform based on their characteristics like race, religion, and national origin. So that brings us to the moral concerns. Because we're talking about AI, and we talked about, just like we said, when they're programming it, they might program you know, AI with a specific set of morality, but what keeps it there? There are four different kinds of ethics when it comes to artificial intelligence. You got the ethical impact agents, which are machine systems that have an ethical impact, whether intended or not, on humans, animals, or the environment. You have implicit ethical agents, machines constrained to avoid unethical outcomes, which Asimov's law of robotics, essentially. You have explicit ethical agents, machines that have algorithms to act ethically. And then you have full ethical agents, machines that are ethical in the same way humans are, i.e. have free will, consciousness, and intentionality. Since they're likely to have an influence that is not ethically neutral, most AI machines will be some sort of ethical impact agent. Few machines, however, will ever reach the level, if it's even possible, a full ethical agent, but it's almost close enough when it comes to explicit ethical agents, mm -hmm. machines that have algorithms to act ethically, because again, we're relying on who to implant those ethics. Right. Ethics are very subjective things, mm -hmm. and... <laughs> I mean, I think we've seen this especially in the last two years. Uh, people are, have very, very different ideas as to what is the morally What's right ethical. thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if we've seen those people uh, who can make those decisions cancel entire platforms and and silence a whole group of people and all you know i mean yeah i mean you know what's been happening i'm mm -hmm. not this isn't this isn't conspiracy right. series that's theory theory stuff they've been pretty blatant about it who's in charge of programming the ethics of the robots that exactly. are walking around us and what happens when we go against their ethics uh -huh. <laughs> yep yes Yes. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so the other thing that we didn't bring up was like self-driving cars and things of that nature. Yeah. There. Oh, what was that show? Change. What was that show? Upload. Upload. Where he was in a self-driving car that's perfect and it crashed on him. And they're like, no, that doesn't happen. You must have been driving it on your own or something. Yeah. Like, no. It was programmed to kill me. Yep. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But uh, AI can oh also gosh. affect the moral behavior of humans. <laughs> An example of how AI technology could be used. Uh, in, okay. I mean, this is going to get a little inappropriate here. Not not in a bad way. Just, just know it exists. Sex robots. We talked about this actually on the show last year. Robot brothels were, be, were becoming like a... A thing that is being worked towards, I think, in Japan. My gosh. Where, I mean. I'm, listen. Uh, yeah. 
here's the thing. <laughs> Do they need to exist? No, absolutely not. Do they exist? Yeah. It's I'm sex trafficking is real. Yeah. Prevalent. Right. And so this the could idea put an end to it essentially. Yeah. But it would still it's like it's a weird set of morality yeah. issues where we have to give in in one respect in order yes. to stop something worse. Right. Like, we'll give in to this weird, gross thing so a weirder, grosser, worser thing doesn't happen as much. And that's a, that's a weird place to be in. It's the it same. Is. It's the same area that started back in, you know, like middle school where, you know. You want people to be abstinent. You want you want to teach abstinence, but yes. we know that they're probably not going to be abstinent. So, so let's at least teach them about give them sex. condoms. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's 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 a weird set of morality. It is, uh, but it eventually got to the point where like we can't even teach abstinence anymore. Like it's slipped to we can't can't you at least teach both? Can't you say look, it's better to be abstinent, but if you're going to do that, here's this, and we have slid <laughs> away from that to well, we can't tell them it's wrong to have sex. Or anything at this point, and you know the whole idea of saving sex for marriage has been out the window for years, and so now we're at the point of let's just teach them how to have safe sex. Like we know you're going to do it. Here's the condoms. That's what we're, essentially where we're at. And I feel like we're going to be in that same boat. We might have good intentions for starting these kind of things, but it's eventually going to slip to this becomes the main thing, and now we have a whole industry devoted to it. That's very weird. So, uh, not only that, I think what also ends up happening, what would end up happening in this case, okay, I feel like this would open up a huge door to human to human relationship going out the window. Yeah. If I, if there's a robot who can learn my every need then why am I going to continue with a flawed human mm-hmm. who has their own desires and wishes? Yeah. 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 And s- did you see that movie her with Joaquin Phoenix? No. Where he basically falls in love with a digital assistant. No. I mean, that's essentially what I think it was Scarlett Johansson that played the voice of like the Alexa like digital assistant. But essentially that's what it was is that the AI had become so advanced that she was having a, relationship yeah with a real human and this real human was now not having real personal relationships with real people Mm -hmm. because he was now obsessed with this artificial intelligence that understood him so well right yeah i mean at the time that movie came out it seemed far-fetched and the further we get into this especially just our discussions this week yeah the more i'm like oh yeah that could totally happen Uh (laughs) uh-huh Yep. And it wouldn't really be all that far-fetched. No. <laughs> I'm, if we're being honest, I think that this is definitely something that our children are going to be faced with in, you know, in their lifetime. 100% without a doubt, our grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. So with robots, the rise of robots, uh, we do have to really consider the view of human worth. Like, it is important that we have relationships with other people, and it is important that we don't elevate robots and AI to anywhere near the level of importance of humans, Mm -hmm. humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were the ones created in the image of God, uh, 
And the Bible's very clear about that. We carry something divine in our DNA. Um, but it is extraordinary to even create artificial intelligence in the first place and to get to be as close as we are right now to have created autonomous beings that can think on their own, uh, albeit in a completely different way than God did. Mm -hmm. But still, for that to almost exist, that's pretty impressive. But we have to also think about is that is that getting us to the point where we're so arrogant that we think that we ourselves are God, you know, mm -hmm. like, are we, are we making, are we making all these strides to basically create a new being mm -hmm. that can exist autonomously from us? Like if we make robots that are, uh, that do have their own free will and their own ability to learn and grow and process, and then eventually to create their own offspring, mm -hmm. are we creating a new race? Are we creating a race that will take out, take us out? Will earth one day just be run by robots? <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of long range thinking that we have to be kind of aware of. <laughs> we need a clear moral guidance on how we use AI. And um, we didn't even talk about AI when it comes to warfare, uh, morality of war. Mm -hmm. uh, like we already use like drones and things of that nature for some of our battles. And while that's... Uh, semi-artificial intelligence, it's usually still piloted by someone mm -hmm. uh, who's real. You yeah. know, it's, it's just like a long-range weapon, essentially, yeah. at that point. But imagine having a full army made of robots. Mm -mm. Imagine multiple nations having armies made of robots fighting wars more readily because we're not sending actual people out into the, the battle zone. We're just sending our robots. Mm -mm. Then it becomes about who can make the deadliest robots. See, and I can see there would be a huge push for this because my initial thought is, just like you said, we're not sending humans out um, and people are going to be like, yeah, exactly. We're saving lives. We're not sending an army of humans out. But what you, what a lot of people may not understand or realize is that it is our heart, our moral aspect that causes a lot of decision-making within war. Yeah. And there would be a lot more innocent lives gone on both sides of the war if there wasn't that aspect of what's right and what's wrong. Right. If there wasn't that moment for someone to think, I can either save this person's life or I can end it, you know, because even in war, there are people who need to be saved. There yeah. are innocent lives on the other side, on the enemy side, and those lives need to be protected. Yeah. And so if we put these robots out who don't necessarily have a definition of good versus bad, right versus wrong. How can we expect for the children to be protected and safe or, yeah. you know, yeah. those who are in harm's way, but are not deemed harmful. 
you know? Yeah. Even from the aspect of the drones, there, just as you said, there's someone who is piloting them. And those missions are not done hastily. Right. They're not, let me, float, let me fly this drone up in the air, find the person who I want to get rid of, and we're done. No, they are, it is done for months, sometimes years, to make sure that what happens at the end of it, that the end result is, in fact, one that was necessary. Right. That there wasn't an area of protection or, um, well, yeah, an area of protection that wasn't crossed. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Going, I mean, yeah, crossing a line. And yeah. see, with the idea of building your armies for war, uh, you know, building robots, like I said, it becomes who can make the deadliest robots. And, mm -hmm. you know, you think of video games, think of your phone games. There are phone games where they're like mech, mech suit robots or whatever, and you have to like level up to be stronger, have better weapons or whatever. Otherwise you just get completely decimated by the other side. Right. That'll be real life. And yeah. what if, you know, what if China can, can build, which, you know, they got all the technology over there in China and Japan and those, that side of the world. Mm -hmm. If they can build all these amazing, death-destroying, strong, huge, um, just infused with, you know, Iron Man 2 type uh, drones that Whiplash built. You know, they have this whole army of these just gigantic super soldier robots, and we're coming in here with modified Tesla bots. Right. You know, what happens, first of all, our army's done. And we lose. And then what happens then? What do the robots stop or do they just keep coming into our country, right. taking over cities and mm -hmm. things, that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff's the real kind of scary yeah. junk right there. Um, so <laughs> let's we'll leave that in your brain. You can think about that moving forward, but let's uh, move to a different section. Let's talk about work. So currently, Currently in America, I bet there's quite a few businesses who would be dying for some robot workers because <laughs> we can't get enough people hired. But normally, <laughs> normally, uh, there are people who, who need jobs. <laughs> I mean, not jobs. only that, I feel like, especially coming off the heels of the pandemic, mm -hmm. having robot workers could be beneficial in several ways, yeah, you know, true. less exposure and then less having to do contact tracing and having to quarantine. And, you know, we are schools across the nation at the very least are hurting on the, the crux of having to shut down again and nobody wants to do it, but we may have to, yeah. you know, because you can only lose so many teachers for two weeks at a time before you have to shut your school down. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there, there definitely would be beneficial aspects of it. But uh, as we're coming out of COVID and there are significant, like, lobbies for a universal basic income where the government literally sends us all a bit of money every month... Uh, the idea of, again, chasing Star Trek, where we'll get to this point where, you know, people don't really have the, the same kind of jobs we have now. 
Like there aren't menial tasks. There aren't labor intensive jobs. There aren't jobs that people don't want to do. People will only have the jobs that they want to do essentially in the future. And all the jobs that don't want to do will be given to robots. That brings to mind the question of, well, aren't we supposed to labor? Aren't we supposed to yes. work? Isn't that what, what God kind of laid out? Is that we're supposed to, you know, work to earn? Mm-hmm. And if we're getting to the point where all we're having is our own comfort and only doing all the things that we, we uh, completely want, you know, all the time, is that putting us into a, a, the wrong mindset of, you know, I don't really need to, to work to be provided for, you know, I'll be taken care of essentially. Like that's, it's, it's not, it's not growing up, right? It's not, it's not doing, it's not providing for your family. It's letting other people provide. For your <laughs> it's, it's letting robots provide for your family. It's a mm -hmm. weird situation. And it feels like it lessens human worth, lessens human value if we no longer work. Because when we work, when we're doing jobs, it's not just for us. It, it's also a service. We're, we're usually uh, serving other people. It puts us in a mindset of all of us can serve and help other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're getting paid for it, I mean, you're doing a job that maybe not a lot of people would like. I, I did landscaping for two years. I hated every minute of it. And I am so grateful that there are people that love landscaping and love mowing lawns and do all this stuff. And even if they don't love it, they'll, they're out there doing it to earn money. And I want to bless those people and bless their families and, you know, utilize those services. Mm -hmm. If we're just going to turn it to robot lawn care uh, for, <laughs> for the future, you know, that's a bunch of jobs, a bunch of opportunity to earn money that's gone. And so that becomes now, well, what are we, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, Do we really I, want to replace ourselves? <laughs> right. I had that conversation with my mom and um, her boyfriend while they were visiting that is kind of similar to this because we are, we're raising an entire generation of kids who will not understand kind of the hierarchy and the pyramid of growth within the workforce because right away these kids are, and we look at it as a great thing. We look at it as awesome. Um, my oldest son's girlfriend, who I absolutely adore and love, but she is fully enrolled as a sophomore at our community college here. And so it's a dual enrollment program, but she is earning both her high school credits and her college credits simultaneously. So that when she graduates high school, she's also going to be graduating college with a bachelor's so that she can go on to earn her master's and then her doctorate because her ultimate goal is to be a veterinarian, mm. which is amazing. That's amazing. She's essentially shaving off four years of her educational timeline. Okay, great, cool. But because of this, she's going to enter into the workforce pretty quickly. She'll be able to, as soon as she graduates high school, she has a bachelor's in veterinary science. She's going to be able to get a job as a vet tech right away. Mm. She's not going to have to work at 
you know, a college level job doing something small, receptionist or whatever, right? you know, and learn those skills entry level that, re, you know, that are required of you the further you go up yeah. in the chain, yeah. you know, we are setting up an entire generation for what I think is kind of failure because they're not learning those early skills that are essential. Right. It's been a process for a reason for so long. Exactly. Yeah. To, and to so, upend that. Right. And so when we replace these medial jobs that we feel like robots could easily do. They're below us. Yeah. <laughs> where are we? We're not leaving anything for our children. Yeah. Where uh, there's there's also the idea that there just there are people that aren't built for you know more intellectually focused jobs or computer based jobs or things sure. like that. Nature. There are people that are more attuned for labor intensive jobs, um, and that's you know jobs that you can go to a uh, what are they called? Like a trade school. Yes, trade school uh-huh. to learn. You know these kind of things. Absolutely, they, we, and we need them. So the world relies on them yes. to continue to work. So if we create robots that now are going to replace all these kind of jobs that some of us see as menial tasks, uh, labor-intensive tasks, are we going to create a generation of people that society doesn't need? Um, I think what we are then doing is we are increasing more of the homeless population. It's, yeah, that's, that's essentially yeah what I'm saying. It's, you know, our... Uh, oh, what is the, the term? Not homeless, but... Anyway, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Drifters? <It's>, no, <laughs> no. I can't even think. Not below average, but you, like your blue collar, you have your your blue collar. Blue collar workers and white collar workers. Yeah, so you're gonna have a whole group of people who. I can't even think. Forget it. I'm done. <laughs> Blue I'm collar done. workers would not be needed, essentially. Yeah. You'd have a whole a whole group of people displaced. Because mm-hmm. that would be where their skill set would lie, and we're taking away their even opportunity to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes of how, how do we, you know, that opens up all the other implications beyond robots of how do we provide for these people so that they don't become homeless where does that money come from? Are we just building, are we just printing money like we are now for all of these um, stimuluses, individual stimuluses that we're giving everybody? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. Will that eventually lead to a Star Trek-like society where we don't have money? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that would even work. But uh, if we ever get to that point, it's going to be a long, difficult painful journey to ever get there because the process of getting there is not going to be getting better and better and better and better and better. It's going to be getting worse and worse and worse and worse until we have to throw it all out and build something new, probably on the graves of a lot of people that died because they couldn't survive in this world that we're building. Right. It's a weird situation. It is. It is very weird. And, uh, It's, I don't know, we're at the point now where 
robots are kind of considered a part of a utopian future mm-hmm. where we can trust them that they that our fallen human nature will not actually interfere with how they operate but we've already brought up quite a few issues in just the little bit of technology that we have today and of course in humanity which will be the ones to create these and program them and all that there's a there's there's always going to be this mixed blessing of technology i guess is what i what what i'm trying to say is that there's no way that we can are going to be able to get it to where it's perfect and the negative outcomes that are still quite possible are so negative they're devastating <laughs> that they they overpower the positive possible outcomes yeah. at least where we sit right now yeah um and the other the other biblical issue is that this might actually be akin to idolatry creating what we might think is a perfect being mm. one free of human failings okay um I mean, we just can't, we can't really escape that trap of creating gobs, God substitutes, objects, desires, deities that we seek to control, but instead they really control us. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a terrifying aspect all its own. Yeah. And I can't imagine that AI development and robotics, uh, won't follow that same pattern. So at the end of the day, mm-hmm. <laughs> Concerns <laughs> are justified. Uh, as Christians, we need to pray for discernment and to be a helpful guide to shaping a common future, and that certainly inc- includes technology, uh, because AI will affect so many areas of our life. Uh, we need to be prepared to maximize the benefits of the technology and also take the lead on the question of machine morality and help to limit and eliminate the possible dangers. Uh, and... As Christians, we need to be prepared with a framework to navigate the difficult ethical and moral issues surrounding it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The framework doesn't come from corporations or government because they're not the ultimate authority on dignity issues and the church doesn't take its cues from culture. God has spoken to us in his word and as his followers, we are to seek to love him and our neighbors above all things. And that has to be preserved. And so (laughs) I want to come up with that line from the movie, fight it, run from it. Mm -hmm. It comes all the same. It's going to happen. Yeah. Like we're, we're drifting that way. There's really no stopping it. Uh, And so we need to be prepared for all the challenges that are going to come based on that. So what I will say as well is as Christians, we need to remember the truth that and this was in my moment from last week, there's nothing new as crazy as this seems to us as far fetched and as strange. It doesn't surprise God. Yeah. And we need to rest in that comfort that this is not surprising to God. And ultimately remember that he is the one who is still in control. And from our perspective, what we can do is continue to do what he's told us and commanded us to do from the beginning love your neighbor and spread the gospel. The more that we're loving our neighbor and the more that we're spreading the gospel, 
possibly, hopefully, the morality that will be placed on robots whenever the time comes will align somewhat to a biblical moral standpoint. Yeah. But we can't expect that if we all hide and cower in our closet and wait for the world to end. Right. We have to be out there. We have to be spreading the gospel and we have to have trust that God is and always will be in control. Yeah. So just like pretty much every other area of our society and our life, it's going to exist. So let's pump as much Jesus into it as we can. Yeah. (laughs) In a way where, you know, we're, we're active parts of the discussion and conversation. Absolutely. Uh, And, you know, be being all things to all people or all programs to all robots uh in either case uh we we have to be a part of it we can't just sit by and let it develop without us right because then it's going to develop against us 100 percent. absolutely that's going to do it for our week of focus on robots and ai praise god we're going to take one last break and when we get back we'll answer and ask us anything questions stick around This week in nerd history, you're getting old, Harry. Nerd history. In just a couple months, the movie version of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone will turn 20 years old. Sorry, you had to hear that. But of course, the book is even older. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, as it was originally titled for release in the UK, was Joe Rowling's debut novel, and one she worked on for over six years. Several publishers passed on the book because it was too long for their liking, coming in at about 90,000 words before edits. Young adult novels rarely went above 80,000, and many were half that. And even though the final draft of the book came in at just under 77,000 words, every book after broke the 80,000 word barrier with Order of the Phoenix topping the series with 257,000 words between its covers. While Philosopher's Stone released in the UK in June of 1997, the US rights were purchased by Scholastic the April before for $105,000, which was significantly higher than average. The book was then released in the US on September 1st, 1998, under the name Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone because Scholastic thought the word philosopher would sound too archaic for American readers. Within a year, Sorcerer's Stone topped the New York Times list of best-selling fiction and stayed at or near the top for much of 99 and 2000, until the New York Times was pressured into separating the list into two separate lists, an adult fiction and a children's fiction list, because publishers wanted to give their books a fighting chance. Currently, the book has been translated into 80 languages, including Latin and even ancient Greek. Safe to say, it's cast quite a spell on all of us. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more back to the back row morning show as things are winding down for the day. But first, we're going to answer a question from Twitch. (laughs) (laughs) That that noise of, I don't know where I am. 
me up first? <laughs> Today's question. <laughs> Today's been, question. I hope that I hope that we have entertained the masses on this <laughs> wonderful Wednesday. I really do. <clears throat> Today's question comes from KY Redhead, which I think the last several of our questions have come from her. But she's, again, she's bringing up some banger questions. She's quickly becoming my favorite. Uh, how late is too late to have breakfast instead mm. of lunch as your first meal? I'm going to say somewhere between 10.30 and 11 o'clock. Like, I fall right with McDonald's. Like, 10.30, that's the cutoff. You know what? Hold on. Hold on. 10.30 is too early. 11 o'clock is probably where I'm going to... I feel like 10.30 is still breakfast time. Especially on the weekends. (laughs) You know, when you're in your 20s and you can sleep in. Now, let's flip that question around. How early is too early for lunch? It's like Taco Bell starts serving lunch at 9. Yeah, no, that is Wiener Schnitzel starts starting, serving lunch at 9. And I have eaten lunch at 9, and it felt fine. No. Yeah. No. Here, okay, for real, people for real? just need to serve breakfast all day long. Absolutely. And I, I don't care. Absolutely. <laughs> the whole question is... A moo point. <laughs> it's a cow's it's a opinion. Cow's opinion. <laughs> it's moo. It's moo. Uh, yeah, remember McDonald's did this pre-COVID? McDonald's was doing their breakfast all day. Most most of their breakfast all day long. Yeah. It's something that everybody wanted for forever. And then COVID hit, and they're like, nah, we're not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh-huh. well, stop being so lazy. Uh, <laughs> but like, uh, there are a few places that serve all day. Sonic, that's one of them. Sonic serves breakfast all day. But it's very rare. <clears throat> Does Whataburger I have serve no breakfast idea. all day? No, I think they, but they start, they start serving breakfast at 11 p.m. So it's like from 11 p.m. to 11 a.m. they serve breakfast. Okay. <laughs> so KY also brings up a really good point. She, said, she says it's 11 at our house. If the boys sleep in, they have a snack and wait for lunch, which I agree with. Because my children will wake up right around, on the weekend, right around 10, 30, 11. And like me, they don't like to eat as soon as they wake up. And so if they wait and then start eating a breakfast at 11, 30, 11, 11, 30, then they're not eating lunch until 3, 3, 30, 4 o'clock. And no, then I'm sorry. At that point, they're not eating lunch. And then dinner. <laughs> they're eating breakfast and dinner. That's all they're having. 8 o'clock at night. Well, but here's the thing. I agree with you 100%. (laughs) But my boys specifically are at the age now where they take care of their own meals on the weekend for the most part, you know? And so Topher will come out and he'll eat breakfast, breakfast at 1130, 12 o'clock. And my kid has always ran on like, well, what's my next meal going to be since the time he was an infant? (laughs) He's eating breakfast. Mom, what's for lunch? He's eating lunch. What's for dinner? That's just how he's always been. Always. So he's making his breakfast and eating it and already processing what he's going to eat for lunch. And I'm like, no, this is your breakfast and your lunch. This is it until dinner. And he looks at me like, I'm going to starve to death. 
You're going to make me wait? <laughs> you don't know what hours? we're eating? <laughs> yeah. Do you not have a plan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you not plan these meals in advance? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Uh, all right. Let's end with our verse for the day. Verse for the day is Psalm 67, 7. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. That's going to do it for our show today. Remember that we air first exclusively on LTN Radio, LTNOnAir.com, every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, find the Backroom Morning Show podcast version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Subscribe, rate five stars, and leave a review. Do it, and we'll love you forever. And also, the podcast feed will offer a weekly highlight episode focusing on just our main topics for the week for those of you who can't commit to the full three hours a week. And make sure you're following us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Just search for at the Back Row LTN and connect with us. Tune in tomorrow morning for Back Row Rewind, where we will bring you a classic episode of the Back Row Morning Show. And we should be back with new episodes next week. And we hope you will, too. Mo, final thought. I love brunch. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. Remember, if nobody else tells you, we promise that it's true. Jesus Jesus loves you, nerd.